This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. I'm I'm the bleep stirrer. That's basically. (laughs) Right. And And I took the cheese. I am the person that loves to see the cockroach fall into the potato salad and then watch the poor saps. Still eat the potato salad. All he's done is pants the Jets for 20 years, and he still hates the Jets. <laughs> it's easy for me to remember 21 years, and it's easy for me to remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Just open up your mind to the possibilities, I, to the magic of is, don't this worry, this be is, zappy. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. What did we do, Evan, a couple of weeks ago? What 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 did we do? Can we take credit for starting it? Well, I certainly think I certainly think we were in on the beginning of the bleep storm, were that, we not? That's because you were in on Zappy after over, overtime in Green Bay. You I were s- already on the Zappy train. I, yeah, I got to admit, you know, I, I, look, you and I we had this conversation we had a few weeks ago. I followed Bailey. Uh, I'd say a fair amount. I probably saw him play half a dozen games his senior year at Western Kentucky. Yeah. And, and and I was impressed. I thought he had a quick release. I thought his arm was stronger uh, than what he's shown because I don't think he's been told he needs to throw long here. He's obviously uh, been couched a little bit here, which is fine. We expect that, right? So when the Patriots drafted him, I thought it was a sneaky good pick. That's all. Didn't think that he would come in here and be potentially um, a savior. And the Patriots don't really need him to be. But when you know the opportunity presented – him to, to come up, especially after Brian Hoyer got pancaked, after Isaiah Wynn got pancaked, then um, I, I just thought, well, you know, let's see what the kids got. And he had, he 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 counted of himself very well, but then people go sideways and, and people go nuts, and and you know, and that's why I had you know I had a little fun at your expense a couple of weeks ago. He did, but but you know I did that because I. Figured you'd go the way that you did, which is great because it, to me it was a fun argument. And what it also showed is it, it proved it proved my point that people are just crazy and they will go for the the next best thing since sliced bread all the time. We love the underdog here, and I think the Patriots culture has been one of loving the underdog for decades now starting with Brady Bledsoe back in 2001 and and before that because the Patriots were the lovable losers before then as we all know you know they had decades of losing and losing big before Bill Belichick and, and Bill Parcells certainly arrived so I, I just kind of felt like you know this is an opportunity here to have some fun and let's let's do a little um let's do a little psyche evaluation and I'm not a bit surprised that so many people. I'm listening to sports talk radio in Boston last couple, you know, last week or two, but it's hysterical to hear these people, hear fans get on the phones and they say, "Oh, this this zappy guy, he's unbelievable. He's got to go. He's got to be the guy." And I'm just chuckling to myself. I'm like, "You people are like, what do you want me to say?" I mean, I'm just, I knew it was going to happen. It's as predictable as, you know, even a bad, even a, even a stopped clock is right twice a day. It's as predictable as that. And I, I just, you know, and, and I don't mean to be, play, I'm not playing people for fools. I'm telling you that I know how Patriots fans think. And I am not disappointed. And I am not wrong. I know how these people think. Now, you went to practice today. I did. You saw Mac Jones practice today. Briefly. And well yeah, for as much as they let you see practice, right? Yes. And your educated opinion is 
He will or will not play Monday night? He will play Monday night based off of everything. Look, when you have these types of things happen as a beat reporter, you start to pick up on every little clue that you possibly can while you're out at practice, while you're in the interview room. And you learn it, it. I hate to bring up the flake, but it's like it's like that, right? Like it's like you learn everything about PSI and, and footballs. Yeah, and had and, to go there. And, and the ideal gas law. Like I, we all became an expert on the ideal right. gas law, right? That's what so, I would, I'm going to go off tar- off target here. But when all that was going on, listening to all these, I heard Bill Nye, the science I, guy, going on local oh, radio, yeah, we're, and we're I'm like, all really. Bill Nye. Really? We're really doing this? Yeah. We're talking about the... the oh, Absolutely. Lord of mercy. Yeah, the other day... And my, he was wrong, uh, by the way. My, my tire, was wrong. My tire pressure light came on for the first time this this season, <laughs> and every single time that tire pressure light comes on, I want to email the commish, right, and be like, hey, this is what happens in New England. Okay, anyways, <laughs> this is... We all become experts on... Yes, we do. ...practice routines. And that's why I love Patriots fans, yeah. because they're predictable. Yeah. We're all experts. We see good football. We've seen bad football. So we yeah. should know football. But they're predictable when you put emotion into the equation... All bets are off. And we put emotion in the equation with Bailey Zappi. It is a uh, an underdog story. I mean, the kid looks like Ollie from Hoosiers, you know, thanks to, you know, uh, uh, um, Dan Roach from Channel 4 from, from putting that comparison on, on Twitter. Because when I saw that, I said, oh, my God, it's his twin brother. I mean, you know, the little wimpy kid with the, you know, with the burr haircut and, oh, it's, um, you know, crew cut haircut, whatever. So it just fed into it. Yeah. And it's it's like a machine. It's 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 almost automatic. You know what's going to happen. Now, does this mean that Bailey Zappi can't play? Of course not. I think we've seen that what Bailey Zappi can do is that he can play whatever they throw at him. It looks like he's always a yes sir. You know, I'll do whatever you say, sir. That kind of thing, guy. And if something, God forbid. Knock on wood, happens to Mac again, and Bailey Zappi gets the call. I think everybody around here would be relatively confident that he can at least manage the game, and the coaches can plan for him to manage the game, and he can win the Patriots a game if they need it. Yeah, and I think that's some of the things that are going on here. Look, I, I came on here yesterday, and I was really complimentary of how Bailey played on Sunday against the Browns because he was fantastic in that I was, game. I was going to ask you about that Yeah, today. really, really good. Now, I, I think I wanted to take a day to give – zappy his kudos because he played a great game and i think when we got going about it after green bay and even last week when everybody's got zappy fever after the detroit i was the one that was like throwing water on it because really what he did in those two games wasn't much right he throws for 188 yards he, he just managed it. right That's it, it, it wasn't anything I that know. i as a film junkie i could not get behind being so hyped up about it <laughs> now zappy if he had played like this in Green Bay and he had played like this in Detroit and he played like this in Cleveland like yeah. he did on Sunday, yeah. then I would be feeling differently coming to you here on Thursday. Yesterday I wanted to give him his, his kudos because he played a fantastic game against Cleveland. I mean, he made very, very few decision-making 
mistakes, right? Mental errors in that game. And for a second-year quarterback to play as clean as he did, I don't care about the level of competition. I don't care that they're the 31st-ranked defense in the league by DVOA. I don't care that they are missing Jadavian Clowney and Denzel Ward. Those are professional football players on the other side of the football, and he played an extremely clean game. And if we're going to continue to caveat every single good performance with, well, they're playing the Browns, or oh, they're playing, well, then you got to throw the Jaguars game out last year. You got to throw the Jets games out last year. Mm-hmm. When Cam went to Seattle and hung 400 yards against a depleted secondary, then you might as well throw that game out too, right? Mm -hmm. you got to throw out all these games against inferior opponents if that's the game that you want to play. With all that being said, I think where I'm at now as we move forward here is that this is less about Mac versus Bailey Zappi, and it's more about the offense they ran in the first three weeks of the season versus Versus the the offense they're running now and the offense they might run later this year. Right, so this offense where – they're 36% play action versus 10% play action with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. They're 48% under center versus 28% under center with Mac Jones. They are throwing to more open receivers down the field. They're throwing with play action. They're max protecting. They're using more blockers on the line of scrimmage to keep the quarterback clean. So with Mac, 80% of his dropbacks were with five pass protectors right just the five offensive linemen in pass protection how many times over the last two weeks have we seen Marcus Cannon in as an eligible receiver yes you know because he's the extra blocker on one side of the line to keep him keep Zappi clean right so it's happened probably two dozen plays or more yeah so they've made 25 plays with 6-0 line on the field there you go with Zappi I just guessed two dozen I was close yes so 25 plays with six offensive linemen they have only blocked with five guys in the protection 50 percent of the time compared to 80 with Mac Jones now I'm not saying that you look Mac is further along in his development he's in year two he had a whole rookie season of experience and tape and learning and all that kind of stuff so you don't necessarily need to play the training wheels offense all the time with Mac Jones, but clearly some elements of it, I think mainly the Max Protect under center stuff that they were doing with play action mm-hmm. has to stay in the playbook. Whether he likes it or not, whether they wanted to move away from some of that it works. protected stuff, it works. It works. Yeah. It works. It works with the personnel, and I'm not talking right. just quarterback. It works with the personnel that you have in the backfield. Certainly right. works with the receivers, right. the offensive line. It's working. Yeah, and you got help for Isaiah Wynn that way. You protect the quarterback a little bit easier that way, and then down the field, you're really playing a two-on-three game. It's two routes versus three defenders, and when they get guys isolated, like Jacoby Myers, for instance, he's a very he's good route runner. He's yeah. very difficult to cover, and you have so much space in the secondary because you're only putting five guys including the defenders back there so it's not all cluttered or you know the spacing is not an issue so he's got half the field and he's got they're calling up these option routes these downfield option routes where he can go in or he can go out based off of the coverage and he's got 30 yards of football field to break into Right, I mean, he's got all this space in the world, and all he's doing is torching these defensive backs and getting wide open for the quarterback, and it's easy picking. So some of these things, it's not necessarily that they need to tell Mac stop throwing the ball down the field as much. It's not an average air yards thing or a deep pass attempt thing. It's just simplifying the way you're doing it. Okay. That takes me now to kind of where I, I think we need to go with this from this point is, you know, let's assume that Mac is back on Monday night. And again, it wouldn't shock me. 
I'd be a little surprised, but it wouldn't shock me if he didn't play because an extra week of rest going into the Jets game, the Jets being a divisional game, yada, yada. I understand all that, but I think he's probably ready to go, and I think he needs to prove not only to his teammates but to himself that he's tough enough to do this at this stage. Am I wrong about that? I think that, you know, if you're Mac, the one thing that I – I'm not speaking for him. I'm just speaking how I would feel if I was Mac Jones. At this point – I, I got to get back in there. Zappy fever is getting a little I, bit I gotta get back toasty. In there. I got to get yeah. back in there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's where we need to go with this then. Based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks with Bailey Zappi quarterbacking and what we saw the first few weeks with Mac Jones quarterbacking, where do the Patriots find the happy medium? Yeah. What works versus what they tried to do early that Mac wasn't statistically quite as successful with? I think this is where the season and this is where the offensive output really is hinging right now. So what should happen? What will happen in your estimation? Well, I do think that that's a, a good phrase, a good way of putting it, happy medium, because I don't think they're going to... zappy medium? They're oh. not They're not going to completely ditch what they were doing the first three weeks of the season. Sorry, that was, that was uncalled for, but too soon? Wow. <laughs> zappy medium. Okay, cool. I don't think they're going to ditch it completely because I think that there were a couple of different reasons why they stylistically wanted to be that way that are important. I think number one... That was what Mac Jones was the most comfortable with because that's what he did at Alabama, yeah. spreading the field, shotgun, uh, three wide. You know that type of stuff is what won him all those games at Alabama. So I think that that's his preference is to be in the gun and to spread the field and give him all those options to be able to read the coverage and things like that. So I think that there's an element to it that definitely needs to stay. I also think that look, I, I've talked about it a, a lot as well. The idea of throwing the ball down the field, in theory, was not a bad idea because they did need to put more points on the board. They needed to be more explosive, and they needed to put more points on the board to keep up with the Buffaloes, now Miami, Kansas City. If you're going to play these teams in the playoffs, you're not going to win those games 17-14. You better be ready to put up 30-plus. Right. So I think in theory, what they were getting at was good. But with that being said, we all know there were too many turnovers and it was too volatile, right? It was too no risk it, no biscuit, as I, I said a month ago. And if you're going to be able to find that balance, I think that that's actually really going to be a productive offense. If you can figure out how on first and second down to be more of this heavy personnel power run play action off of it type of team and then maybe on third down allow Mac to spread the field and go after it I think that that's sort of what they were last year so you're kind of building off of what you were last year to a degree and I think that there's a lot to be said for that being successful as well so I think that that's the balance is that first and second down is a run play action sequence type of situation for them where they're going to run the ball and they're going to be PA off of it. And then on second and longs, third downs, situationally two minute, like if you, that's when you want to spread the field and go four wide and, and put him in the gun and let him go to work, then that's totally fine. But you can't do that the entire game. And what they were doing in the first three weeks of the season was they were basically that for four quarters. And, and I don't know if that's what's best for anybody. I don't think it's what's best for Mac. I don't think it's what's best for the personnel around him. Uh, so I think that that's where it's at right now is that you got to find that balance between the Zappy style and the Mac style. And I think that a little bit more on the quarterback's plate uh, compared to what they put Zappy in will allow them to get to that 30 plus mark maybe here a little bit. And, and then that would also allow them to limit the turnover. So I, I think that in a lot of ways, 
this zappy thing was a good thing because I think it really allowed them while Mac was healing to discover their offensive identity again and figure out what they were offensively because I think throughout training camp and the first three games of the season I'm reminded by the Oh, I could have had a V8, you know, commercial yeah. out there, you know, because it's really how the Patriots reacted to this whole yeah. thing. It's like, don't oh, play action. Oh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, the first three weeks of the season, the summer, I don't think they knew what they were offensively, and I think maybe with Zappy, they figured it out, and then they put Mac back in there, and hopefully it has a higher ceiling than what it does with Bailey Zappy because he's just a better player than yeah. Bailey. Yeah, makes sense to me. And you got mad at me. You yelled at me. Because you, you, you tried, and morale can vouch, you tried to get me to say that Mac, that Bailey Zappi should replace Mac Jones as the starter, and well, I was he, not going to go there. He already had. He did. Mac was hurt. Well, he was hurt, but you wanted me to say that for the rest of the way. You also then, what always triggers me, and I'll, I'll tell you this right off the bat, <laughs> what always triggers me is when people bring up 2001, because to me... That's like saying... It's like taking candy from a baby. It's like saying, oh, uh, like, you know, well, maybe they're just the 96 Bulls. Maybe they're just the 86 Celtics. Like, we don't know. But maybe maybe they're just going to go, you know, uh, 72 and 10 like the Warriors did a few years ago with KD. Like, oh, yeah, maybe they're just that. It's like that's, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. That's a once-in-a-generation type and thing. And we... Love that stuff. We and and we're we we're cocky enough. We're we're cocky enough to think that no. lightning can strike twice. Yes, it can. The, it can happen again. It's Brady Bledsoe all over again. Uh, ah. I, look, it, it, <laughs> it's it's just that's the part that gets me going because we gotta. We okay, we all know how to tweak Evan now. Yes, okay? you do. Just mentioned two thousand one. We as a as a fan base, we as as Patriots supporters, we need to recognize that this team now is just like everybody else. Oh, yeah. You have Bill Belichick, which helps you, right? Bill Belichick's you got one of the best coaches, if not the best coach. I think we've seen that for the last, you know, this is the third year now in this process, post Brady, post championships. This is the third, you know, year of that, and I think we're seeing that yeah, we're we're closer to everybody else in the league than we are to the elite in the league. You are not special anymore. No. You are you have a great great all-time great, probably the best coach still in the league and certainly the best coach of all time. And you have that advantage. But he's retooling, or at least he's trying to. He's trying to retool one last time before he rides off into the sunset. Right. And he's not riding off into the sunset until he passes Don Bleep and Shula. Yeah. But in terms of personnel and in terms of who's playing quarterback, you're just like everybody else. And I think that sometimes we always go back to the Brady years. We always go back to 01, and and you think you're special again. Mm -hmm. You're not special anymore. Sorry. You hurt my feelings. Sorry. All right, well, I'll forgive you, I guess. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> okay, that's see? It. That's what I like about Evan. That's it. Okay, that's that's all there is to it. Yeah. There's no more discussion here. No. Okay, we're just going to go with that. All right. I like that. Good stuff, Ev. Appreciate that. And and, and what I think you're right, I, I think the bottom line, and my major takeaway from this entire, uh, you know, three, four-week, you know, encounter that we've had is, number one, damn football can be entertaining when you want it to be. This is not just football. This is also human psychology really this is like uh you know fandom here and and like i told you earlier this is a lesson in just showcasing how new england fans react you know when you mentioned 2001 and oh yeah that could happen again okay well no no, no it probably can't probably won't but not probably that, won't. but can't. my point is is that's how people think 
okay? It's how they think, and I knew that, which is why I purposely tweaked you, and, and, and you know, I will, you know, no, I won't apologize for that, because it was damn good radio, and so <laughs> that's all there is to it, you know, and, but we're big boys, we can take it, you know? You, your, your head popped a, a blood vessel, you know, but I also, uh, on I, me too, so, you know, all I can say is, you know, he wanted to reach across the table and strangle me here. Yes. See? See, yeah. strangles strangles a bit far. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't do that. But <laughs> I, I was definitely, uh, yeah. But I, I, I lost in a lot of the. And I, I know we're going to talk about the Bears here in yeah. a few minutes as well. We are lost in all of the zappy stuff, though. I, I do think that there's a lot going on with the Patriots' defense that's really good that uh, not enough people are talking about. I saw today Jack Jones is the number one rated defender in the NFL by PFF. Yeah. Yeah. So. Look, Jack's been great. There's been some mental errors on his tape that he hasn't been exposed by. He's a by. rookie. Right. He's going to make uh, those he, mistakes. He's busted a few coverages, and I, I, you know, it could haunt him, so hopefully they fix that now before they play the Josh Allens and the Joe Burrows and some of the better quarterbacks later on in their schedule that will make him pay for mm-hmm. jumping around or uh, being out of position. But uh, Jack's been really good. Uh, but I think what's really stood out to me – is the play of the front seven and the play specifically of the defensive line. The one thing that you can say about the Lions and the Browns is that those are two elite offensive lines. They are built with tons of talent there, first-round pick type of guys. The Browns have the best guard duo in the league with Wyatt Teller. And the Patriots uh, and, managed um, to put their fair share of pressure on those lines. And they not only put pressure on the quarterback, but they also stopped the run mm-hmm. in both of those matchups. And I think what you're seeing is a defensive line that has a lot of guys that are really coming into their own. Dietrich Wise, Christian Barmore, uh, Do- Devon Godshaw is solid in the way that he they play him here in the two-gapping role. And you also saw at linebacker them starting to figure out who they have. That's at what that I was going to ask you next because yeah. that was one of the that was the biggest question mark to me defensively coming into the year was do they have enough at linebacker? I mean, so many people you know are talking about how they passed up this and passed up that in the draft and what have you. We've even talked about that as well, and, and we've seen switches and changes and we've seen you know obviously we know Matt Junon really isn't a true linebacker he's more of an edge guy but at the same time we've seen Bentley back there we've we haven't seen as much of Uche back there where do you feel like the linebacking core is right now I actually think they're in a pretty good spot because they've been able to figure out their roles on the team and that is what they are they are a bunch of role players that Bill Belichick Gerard Mayo and Steve are putting in the right positions on the field at the right time and they're able to kind of mix and match so no do they don't have a wait did he just give steve belichick a compliment yeah of course wow defensive play caller oh my god so last couple of weeks we've we've complimented matt patricia and joe judge and now steve belichick that (gasps) holy crap yeah so you look at what they've done on linebacker, you know, they no, they don't have you know trying to they they don't have a Fred Warner, they don't have a, a prime Bobby Wagner, like they don't have one guy that's just an all world player doing everything all the time, right? But mm-hmm. right. Bentley has been in two games, and look, these are Jawan Bentley style games. The one on Monday night, another Jawan Bentley game, games where he can come forward, he can plug gaps, he can be a force in terms of the run defense. That's going to be his type of game. He's always going to have limitations in space and in coverage, and we know that. But when they are able to manage his exposures to coverage and his exposures to playing in space and 
make sure that that's not as many in a game, then he can be a really effective downhill player. You also look at a guy I think that's been really important over the last couple weeks in Jelani Tavai, who has really stabilized as, as much crap as Jelani Tavai got in the preseason off the ball. When he plays on the edge of the line, he's been able to stabilize that edge spot on first and second down opposite of Matthew Judon. He's not making splash plays. He's not making these, you know, uh, tackles. No, but he sets the edge. He's doing what they ask him to do. Right. And then when they get into these pass rush situations. Which is something, by the way, that Chase Winovich couldn't do. Yeah. That's why he's gone. That's why he's not here anymore. I think with Tavai, and and I know that this guy fizzles out in New England, but uh, early Patriots John Simon, you know, like somebody that's just – solid edge defender comes off the field in passing situations for more athletic players but when they need a first and 10 guy to stand up over the tight end and take on a block at the end of the line Jelani Tavai has held his own when they get into pass rushing situations Bentley comes off the field Tavai comes off the field Josh Uche Mac Wilson, Anthony Jennings, some of these younger, more explosive players, they come on the field. So a guy like Mac Wilson has really found a role for himself as a passing game player, rushing the passer, spying, uh, you know, short zones over the middle of the field, like these types of roles he, he's done a really good job at. He's now using him as a interior sub rusher, you know, standing up over the guards as the three technique and rushing the quarterback. And he's been able to do that pretty effectively. So I think with linebacker, again it's when you have a great coach a great defensive mind like Belichick you're able to do this where okay I I know what Jawan Bentley's strengths are I know what Mac Wilson's strengths are Mac Wilson's having all sorts of trouble early on in the year reading blocks in the running game from off the ball he can't find the ball on first down so let's take him off the field on first down and we're going to just make him a pass rusher. We're just going to make him a coverage player. And now they've been able to find a rhythm. We'll see if it stands up when they play the better offenses. Buffalo, Miami, you know, uh, Cincinnati, I think, will be rolling by the time they play the Bengals. But, They're learning this rotation, though. And that's yeah. why the defense, I think, we're starting to see slow improvement in that regard. And by the way, I love me some Kyle Duggar. I hope he stays healthy because yeah. every time he's in the game and every time we know that there's obvious running downs or what have you, or you think the other team's getting ready to run the football, I, I think I think the guy absolutely um, he, he's a, he's his own buster in that regard. He just, he loves to get up there and and thump, and you can almost feel it every time he hits somebody. And I think Duggar is one of those tweener guys that um, honestly um, I, I think he's an all pro caliber player. Yeah, nobody on this defense does more. Than Kyle Duggar. No. Nobody right? in terms of not just in terms of impact plays, but just in terms of roles or assignments that they ask him to do. He plays over the slot. He plays outside. He plays in the box. He plays deep safety. He's on the run force. He's playing off the ball linebacker and scraping. He's playing in man coverage. He's playing in zone coverage. He's blitzing. I like I there's Every single thing that a safety could do, Kyle Duggar does. And this guy was a division two football player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can't tell me that somebody from Division Two or Three or JUCO or that you can't play in the NFL. You can, you absolutely yeah. can, and he's doing it. Yeah, it's incredible to just if I made a list of all the different roles and assignments that he has on a Sunday, and you just start to look at the the laundry list of things that they put on his plate and how he's been able to handle it, and also going back to his rookie season in 2020, mm-hmm. how they've built him up to this point. 
is really impressive too because they started his rookie season. He's in the box. He's covering tight ends. Like they just started with that. Then they added some more of the zone stuff. Then they right. added some more of the deep safety stuff. Right. And then you know, kept on kept on building on itself. Now he's easily the most versatile player in their entire defense, and he wears more hats and has more responsibility than just about anybody else on that team. He it's has impressive. the persona. He's starting to get the persona, in my viewpoint, of what Rodney Harrison had when he came here. He's the guy that can set that emotional and that physical tone and tempo for this defense. Yeah, yeah, and and you look at you know other little things like, you know that jumbo base defense they rolled out there against Cleveland, where they have three safeties in one corner, right? So really like a giant base, yep. jumbo base, and he's playing outside corner. Yep. Because they need it, they don't have another true outside corner. So when he they line up, he's that's playing outside corner. That's to ask him to play that. That's, yeah, I mean, that's unfair. Right. So he got beat by David Njoku on that yeah. double move on the sideline on third down because saw, he's yeah. playing on the boundary, right. which he's really not very not comfortable with to do doing. that. No. So he told me that uh, you know he had started doing that at practice in the last couple of weeks because they've been building up to throwing that jumbo base defense out there so they started getting him ready for reps on the outside and he had the pick on playing on the outside he's a little late to it but he got back underneath it and he gave up the big play to Njoku so maybe something that's still a work in progress but the fact is is that they trust him to play out there and I I think that that's just an incredible testament to where he has developed it absolutely is 855 Pats 500 the phone lines are loaded up today I don't know why everybody wants to talk about it you know, zappy or something today. I don't, I don't know. Uh, the one and only Jumbo Hart, Big Head himself, is going to make a, an appearance again here on the program in about 10, 11 minutes from now. Russell Baxter will be along in hour number two. We are going to take some time to talk about the Chicago Bears. It seems like it's still a week to go before we even get to the game. That's what Monday Night Football will do to you here. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Bears as well in the matchup here and, and, and really, hopefully, how the Patriots can take advantage of that. But let's get to the phones. Sean in Vancouver leads us off. Hey, Sean. Hey, John. Hey, Evan. Great to speak with you again. Last week, we had a conversation, the hypotheticals I threw at you, that doesn't have uh, an effect anymore because it can't happen. Zaley Zappi didn't play just enough to win. He had a great game. And I believe, Evan, I think uh, that uh, Mac Jones will start. Uh, I also uh, like the whole thing about the play action because I'm wondering if Mac is back if he'll um, use the play action as much as, as Zappi has. Because the first few games, they were effective with play action, but they were the, the lowest in the league in, in doing it. And I think it's because Mac Jones preferred to play out of the shotgun. It, it was very predictable. Whenever he was behind center, it was always with Harris behind, you know, at running back, and, and teams just loaded up uh, against the run. And, and uh, Stevenson would run from the shotgun, which Harris wouldn't do. So I'd like to see more of uh play be behind center and throw in more play action i think and, and well not a thing we see that that works so they should continue with that what do you think yeah absolutely that's the biggest thing to me is being comfortable with recognizing some of the things that went well with bailey zappy and being willing to do those things and i'm not saying i'm hearing anything that he's not willing to do it i'm just saying that that's 
they have a, discovered an identity, and I, I just looked the number up. Last year, he was 27% play action with Josh McDaniels. This season, right. to start the year, it was 10% play action in the first three weeks of the season. So they have figured out that this is good. And honestly, going back to 2018, 2019, like they've always come back to this, right? Like they've always come back to, uh, you know, I think it's what makes it interesting that they don't have a fullback anymore is because they've always come back to the fact that at their core, their personnel is best as an under center power run play action off of it type of team. Like that's just who they are as an identity. I mean, I go back to 2019 when Jakob Johnson and James Devlin both got hurt and they converted Alandon Roberts to fullback Mm -hmm. to get the fullback element back into the offense because they missed it. So I think that ultimately what they're going to find out with this personnel, the same as they've always have is that that is their bread and butter. They are a very good under center football team. And there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. And you have to be willing to be able to play that way. Got to be yeah, who you are. want to see that. Got to be who you are, Sean, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, we, you know, we don't have a fullback, but what we saw against the Lions quite a bit is he brought in Cannon as the uh, extra tackle, and that uh, gave you the power run even if you're yep. going to. Yep, absolutely. Against it. We, we even we even saw against the Lions that we see a couple of uh, zone blocking schemes actually work. Yeah, outside zone. Yeah. Outside yeah. zone. Right now they're basically, you know, inside zone is their most used blocking scheme. Right. Uh, they, you know, inside zone and duo. A uh, duo is is man blocking. It's double teams. It's basically the it's similar. Yeah. Very very similar. Yeah. And you really have to study the play. Ooh. Ooh. To figure out it's if it's hard to stay disciplined. If it's, it's difficult in, to stay disciplined yeah. in his own blocking scheme. Yeah. Uh, you really have to study the play to figure out if it's inside zone, well, if I'm it's gonna... duo. So they're yeah. kind of one and the same to me. Sure. Well, I'll give you my score prediction and let you go. So go. I'm going to go with Patriots 28, Bears 13. All right. 28, 13. Thanks, Sean. Actually, I was going to, I, I, you know, have seen the spread rise steadily over the course of the last couple of days. And I know Fred mentioned at the tail end of PU that, you know, he expects it to rise even more, especially as more and more news gets out about Mac Jones potentially starting in the game on Monday, which I do think will ultimately happen. I'm, I'm kind of in that corner now. So that regard, I, I, I was going with 26-13. Yeah, I think 13 points is a lot of points. For the Bears? For the Bears. Yeah, look, I think this Bears offense – Speaking I'm giving of, them a touchdown and two field goals. Speaking of identity, I, I don't think the Bears' offense has any clue what its identity is. You know, the thing they do well is they run the football well. Uh, 170 might, yards might be a, a game. Six, who knows? They're, know. they're, they're top ten in uh, <laughs> in in rushing. Oh my goodness! And uh, they they run the football well. Uh, Justin Fields runs the football well, as we know, one of the best running quarterbacks in the league right now, statistically. So they run the ball well, and that's about it. You know, and they they can build off the play action a little bit off the run as well. So really where they've struggled all year is out of the gun. Uh, They don't have much going on at all in terms of the downfield passing game out of the gun. And, you know. Nikhil Harry's not back, it's just, is he? Uh, I think he is going to be back. Is he going to be back? Yeah. Ooh, it's the Neil Carey, Nikhil Harry revenge game. Yes. That's true. Uh, with that being said, I think the one guy that you circle on their offense that does scare you a little bit is Darnell Mooney. 
Uh, he can definitely get open. Uh, four three eight speed guy, good separation, good quickness. Uh, plays inside, plays outside. Uh, last week they rested Jonathan Jones against the Browns, and I'm not saying that anybody is like resting players to get ready for Darnell Mooney, but like you kind of hope that Jonathan Jones can play in this game because Darnell Mooney is the type of guy that he covers. Bears you know? have also had some real trouble on the offensive line. They've had to shuffle some players in and out because yeah. they've had injuries up front too. Yeah, I mean, look if. You take the Patriots team that dominated the Lions and the Browns offensive lines. This offensive line for the Bears, like they should thoroughly dominate the Bears offensive line. And Justin Fields is prone to holding the football a lot. So, so what happens then if uh, Mac Jones throws a pick six early in this game? Why are we doing the hypotheticals? <laughs> why, I'm gonna be, he hates it when I do uh, this. I'm going to be Bill for a second and, and say I, I am not diving into hypotheticals. hypotheticals? Yes. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm just wondering, just wondering what you thought. Okay. Um, let's get somebody that can put some sense into all of this. Patty and Agawam. Hi, Patty. John, I don't know why you think I could put sense into anything. <laughs> well, you just blew your cover. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Um, not too much. I, um, I'm going to give a score prediction, and i got a question for the two of you guys Go. Uh, regarding wide receivers and offensive tackles. And I'll make it quick because I know Big Head is coming on. And, uh, Evan, <laughs> one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life is when I heard you and uh, Big Head had a Twitter spat and you, you told him you don't want none of this smoke. I thought that was great. That was a few years, <laughs> a few years back. Oh, God. That's right. <laughs> Wait, That's right. That's right. Andy and I have since made up. We're good. <laughs> I love it. This is great. Controversy. No controversy. Zappy, so one of zappy. the uh, – one of the things I am a little bit concerned about coming into this game, and I always like preface my, uh, you know, my predictions with concerns, is I do think that the Bears have somewhat of a decent defense. Uh, I, Alex, I heard you and Alex talk about it on Catch Twenty Two how they're a little bit middle of the road, but uh, you know they do got they do got some talent. Roquan Smith, obviously, probably their best player, and and um, Robert Quinn's a guy that's been. I mean, he's been excellent since he stepped into the league at getting to the passer. Um, so I'm, you know, if they line him up over Isaiah Wynn and Marcus Cannon's side, hopefully they they have plans for him so he can't just rush free to Mac or Bailey. Sorry, Freudian slip. But I do think, and that's another thing. I do think Mac is going to end up starting this game. Um, and I think they're going to they're going to hang at least thirty on them. So I'm I'm picking them to win. 34 to 10. I think this is not going to be a close game. Uh, aside from Mooney, I don't see Chicago really having that much talent at the wideouts. I, I swear to God, I, I hope Jack Jones or somebody just steps in front of Nikhil Harry if he does play and, and just <laughs> and, and just p- gets a pick six on the frigging guy. Because I wanted him to succeed, but he sucked. He was the worst draft pick of, of my life. Everybody tried. Yeah. Oh, I'm just um, wild about Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and Harry ain't wild about me. <laughs> Everybody tried. My question Go. regarding the uh, wide receivers and OTs is, yep. um, I know that they, there were reports coming out that teams were calling on Kendrick Bourne, and uh, they're not willing to part ways, but they would make Nelson Aguilar available. I, I don't want to make any of these guys available. Like, uh, Regardless of Aguilar's contract, I say you keep all these guys on your team because you never know. I mean, you, we've seen it already this year, them get hit with the injury bug, not just at running back 
quarterback, but at wide receiver too. Yeah, I'm, so I'm kind of with you on that one, Patty. I, I don't really see the point. I mean, you know, and and those that want to trade Bailey Zappi way if Mac Jones comes back in and starts, you know, unless you could get at least a fourth round, why would you do that? You've already cultivated something out of the guy. So, I mean, why would you, oh, we could get a sixth or a seventh round pick for Bailey Zappi. He was a fourth round draft pick. No, Bailey Zappi is not getting traded until no, he's not going to get traded. The Jimmy G, Jacoby Exactly. He's going to be here for the next four or five years as your backup. And you're going to be damn glad you have him. If something ever happens again i'm knocking on wood even though it's technically for mica so i I mean i I just this is real wood no it's not (laughs) not even close but i mean as far as the receiver is concerned evan i I don't know how you feel about it but i I don't really think the patriots are in any position to to give up depth of any kind because at the end of the year he who has the most toys wins yeah i I definitely just think that at receiver i I find it a little bit funny that uh, the team that couldn't find playable wide receivers now we feel like we have too many which I, I agree that in theory on game day they do have too many I mean they can't find snaps for all these guys they can't find snaps for Kendrick Bourne and can't find snaps for you know Nelson Aguilar and Tyquan Thornton right you kind of have to pick one of those speed receivers mm-hmm. to play but at the same time I, I think that a team that has struggled really to find capable good wide receivers is not really yet in a position to be jettisoning guys that can play in the league and I know Nelson Aguilar a lot of people are gonna he can't play you know yada 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 but he is uh, somebody that uh, can play at an NFL level and a starter level and we've seen that so I I just think that there's um, you know a lot more to lose from trading a guy like Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne and not a whole lot to gain I think ideally Maybe for Bourne, you could, you know, I, I go back to that Muhammad Sanu trade. Like, maybe you could get a day two pick can for we, Kendrick Bourne. Can we get Nelson Aguilar some stick em like they used in the movie The Replacements? It's right? funny because can, can, drops can were we not get a big problem for him last year. This year, they, they've crept back up in, on him. I know he's been a drops guy his whole career, wow. but last year he didn't drop very many passes with the Patriots. No, he didn't. And I thought maybe it was something yeah. he could have kind of shook, but it, it's, yeah. the dropsies are back. Yeah. So, I, look, I, I think ideally. Uh, Taekwon is good enough that Nelson Aguilar doesn't have to play a huge role for this team moving forward, and Taekwon takes that job and good takes thing. that job for the long term as well. But for now, I, I think you got to keep the depth. I think it's working. And I agree. As long as everybody's happy. I know Kendrick Bourne, you know, it's tough when you're a player like that and you're not playing when you know you could be playing. Uh, I understand that that's difficult. So I, they're not going to get enough back from. They're not going to get enough back. They wouldn't get enough back from Kendrick Bourne, you know, to make the trade worth the while. If they could get a second round pick for Kendrick Bourne, I'd listen to the call. Okay, but I don't think that's even a shot in hell. I don't know. I like mean, they get a second round pick for him. He had 800 yards last year. Well, listen. All right. Okay. If you're right, you're absolutely right. If someone wants to offer a second round pick for Bourne, I'd have to take the call. Yeah. yeah but I mean, I just look back at some of these other wide receiver trades in recent years at the deadline. You know, the Patriots give up a second for Sanu. I think Manny Sanders went for like a high third in that that trade year. Uh, you know, you look at some of these other trades around the league at the deadline for that position. Guys get traded for a lot, you know, a, a good, capable yeah. NFL wide receiver for a team that needs more more weapons. Like that's somebody that could net a, a day two pick. But if it doesn't start with a three or a two, I, I'm out. Right? Like I'm not trading Kendrick Bourne for a fourth or a fifth round no, pick. No. But if they can get a second round pick for him, I mean, I, I think I at least have to listen to the offer. Todd in North Carolina. Hey, Todd, how you doing? So I got advice for you too, Evan. The old goat's going to get your case, and he's going to push you, and he's going to drive you. But he got most out of Eric, out of any of them. Eric was in PFW in progress. 
he was just a, a receding flower. He was nothing. But whenever he got on with John Boy, oh, my God, he was great. He, 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 he came with football stuff. It was great. <laughs> Don't let John get to you too much. It's, it's, because, it's because he knew that I was going to challenge him. So he wanted to come yeah. with, his, with his best stuff. You know, and, and it turned it turned out to be really good radio. And and uh, Evan's already good at what he does. We've talked about oh, that here. Straight. He's really uh, good at, at at taking a look at you time. know. He understands the, the the terminology. He sees what you know. Lay people like us, we don't normally see. You know, of course, well, it's probably it. I, because I follow his podcast on uh, YouTube all the time, man. I, yeah, I know. See, there you go. Appreciate that. You, 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 for you, John. Do you listen to his Catch Twenty Two show too? Yes, I do. Okay, see, there you go. Well, then you'll be an educated fan, just Except like you, know, you should be. Yesterday, we couldn't find it. Well, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stream for me. Oh, no. Well, it's called Patriots.com. John, yes. I know I'm old. I'm not older <laughs> than you, but oh, I'm old. Don't do it. That was a backhanded, that was a backhanded slap. Yes, Todd, go right ahead. What, what's your point today? For you, John, yeah. I think you just need to get this young man all the contacts you have, get him, you know, get him that stuff. Make sure that he's got all the tools because I think here you could uh, kind of be grooming your replacement. I think. Be great <laughs> the oh, well, no. we, we we all groom our replacements, whether we know it or not. We all do. We all do. And and frankly, Evan would be eminently qualified because he's got more football smarts than me. I've no. only got forty five years of covering the NFL, so what the hell do I know? I'm not here for well, that. Well, some some stuff, John. You got some stuff. Uh, you know, some stuff, old guys. We got that sneaky good stuff every once sneaky, in a while. Well, yeah, Let's that's true. It. That's true. I wish I had the time during the day to watch the all twenty twos. I I think I've probably done it uh, once this year, maybe once. Yeah. You know, because you know they've got things like you know I, I got to teach young kids how to <laughs> replace me. <laughs> <laughs> Mondays are no, my favorite day of the week. Oh, the all twenty two day. <laughs> yes. Right. Totally. Yeah. My question for you guys moving forward is, what happens if we move forward and we just can't can't maintain this level of offense? My my fear is this offense was something that the team rose up because they said, okay, we got a backup in here, we got to do everything that's our third string. That I'm worried that they're just going to go, oh, okay, it's back to normal. Let's just you know, and they're going to settle down. They're not going to play at that high level. What can you do to maintain that high level? I'll take my your answer off the air. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Todd. Appreciate your time today. What do you think? Look, I, I it's a fair concern because I, I do think that there's a little bit of a rallying cry when you have to pick up the team from your starting quarterback getting hurt. Like I think. We saw it in Dallas with with Cooper Rush, right? And everybody else just kind of go goes and and grabs a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Bill Simmons has the Ewing theory, right? Patrick Ewing gets hurt for the Knicks, and the Knicks go on a run without him. Like these are the types of things that can happen uh, when players, you know, your starter goes down, and you need to pick it up. But I think that like what I keep going back to with the schematic stuff, I think it's similar uh, just from a psyche standpoint. Like you captured this with Bailey Zappi, and you should. You should be able to have it with a higher ceiling with Mac Jones or with more potential with Mac Jones. Uh, so I, I think that you really just have to keep in that mindset. And I, I think that, you know, they they have a chance to do that because ultimately what that mindset is, is winning, right? It's winning football games. It's winning and having fun winning. And that's what they've done over the last two weeks. And I don't think that that is going to end on Monday night, regardless of who's that quarterback, because that's how I think of the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So I think that that will continue, and they'll be able to continue that momentum, and we'll see. You know, next the next week against the Jets in the Meadowlands, that's an NFL football game now. 
That's not going down there to play the four win Jets with you know Zach Wilson and uh, and a terrible defense. Could be the five like, win Jets too. They got to go play at Denver this week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, and Denver's struggling mightily. That is a real football game now in the Meadowlands, and so that one I think is really uh, the game that you're gonna start to see. Is this team? really for real or uh, you know is this three game winning streak just because they were playing the lions the browns and the bears like that that's sort of where i think it, it falls down right now because whoever plays quarterback on monday night is going to win that game you know they can win that game just with their defense like they they could win that game through to nothing so i think that that's going to be a little bit of a different story once you get to the meadowlands all right uh eldred how's it going eldred hey mr legend how you doing today what's happening today my man uh, on a little break right now. Okay. Not in the truck, but when to get there. Okay. Enjoy that. What are we What are we hauling today? I always like to find out. Uh, big manholes again. Uh, Man, like they uh, bit it. Yeah, different like concrete manholes. How much do those things weigh? Uh, ten thousand pounds, nine thousand pounds, Come five thousand pounds. Just one piece. Wow. Uh, so how many of those can you actually? How many of those can you haul at one time? Seventeen. Holy crap. There's a lot of extra room on that truck then, huh? It's on that trailer, yes, a flatbed. Wow. Mm. Yes, a flatbed. A little, little bit more work, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm local. Like I said, I'm not over the road, so I'm back home, so everything's good. Okay. But sometimes I feel like I'm over the road because I get off too late. Yeah, right. Well, believe me, I know what that's all about, but yes. that's okay. Yes. All right, well, be safe out there, whatever you're hauling. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But, um, hmm, I'm hoping... 2412 because uh, that's what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be a little dogfight at first. Then we might pull away. But the question that Evan keeps asking or saying about play action and having the guys uh, the motion and whatever, I don't think, well, Matt Patricia's doing good, but I think he just incorporates as he goes. Like he's learning on the fly, right? Yeah. So I don't think you can just look forward to that until I guess he mastered it or try at least once or twice. What do you think? Well, I, I look. I mean, just statistically, they've called play action almost quadruple as much as, and it's it's ten percent to thirty six percent with Bailey Zappi. Yeah. So they they are clearly calling play action more. The motion stuff. Look, I, I don't know how much of that's going to come. I I know Tyquan Thornton being back. You, you got the jet sweep touchdown. They try to run an end around with him as well. So they maybe have incorporated that a, a little bit more now that Tyquan is healthy and they have somebody that they want to get the football in those types of situations. So maybe they build stuff off of that. Uh, I still think that we're, you know, kind of like Eldred said, we're, we're kind of two steps away from that still, right? Like I think that they're mastering A, uh, you know, B is probably uh, doing it a little bit more with Mac, and, and now C is like, you know, getting the motion involved and getting some of the other moving parts and things like that. So I'm not necessarily sure we're there yet. I think what I liked out of Matt Patricia more recently is obviously the adjustments that they've made with Bailey Zappi have worked out very, very well for him, and I give them credit for recognizing how to manage the game more with Zappy versus with a more experienced quarterback. The second thing I'd say uh, that they've done well is they've timed up a bunch of different calls and with really good timing. Uh, you look at the Ramondre Stevenson touchdown where they, they call a run play on third and 10 and they get uh, the Browns in a, in a blitz. They catch them in a blitz and they're able to run for the touchdown on third and 10. Uh, you look at the Hunter Henry third and one play action touchdown. Like these types yeah, of like timing plays, I, I think they're getting, um, they're, they're catching the defense 
off guard mm-hmm. with some of these calls in mm-hmm. some of these situations, which yeah. I think is a good thing. But w- I think one of the things that's sort of the next step for Matt Patricia is building complementary plays and sequencing together plays where, okay, we showed you this in the first quarter and now we're going to line up like we're going to run it again, but it's actually something else. Right. And that's something that I think Josh McDaniels was a master at, which was running different plays out of the same formation and personnel grouping, but it all looks the same until it's not right. And I think that's like advanced level coordinating is when you show them in the first quarter uh, a run play like we're going to run toss and we're going to run toss again and then we're going to run toss again and then in the third quarter we're going to fake the toss and then we're going to bootleg the quarterback and we're going to hit the play on the other side of the field like those are the types of things that I think more advanced offensive coordinators do that maybe Matt Patricia hasn't quite gotten to yet but he's definitely timed up some really good situational calls on third down that you have to give him credit he's for. growing and learning on the job just like everybody he's else does on, yeah like everybody else exactly Hey, Mr. Legend, make you, you a question. Yo. Just all the penalties and stuff that's going on and uh, with, with uh, Wynn and Brown every now and then, mm-hmm. do you think every now and then, if they flip back to the regular position where they used to play or where, where they or like one oh, guy trying to get yeah. money to get paid for one, the other one play right card, right tackle. So, so you, mean, pay for you mean put Wynn back at left tackle? Yes. And, and maybe some of the penalties might go away or all that crazy stuff. Or do you think he still got to learn too on, on that right side? Uh, that would because sh- I think it's a contract year. And I think that's why you don't want to, you know. Well, it, they, that's I what guess I, think. It, I mean I, I wouldn't say that you're wrong, but I would be afraid of. I mean, we've already seen what happened earlier this year in the switchover. Uh, uh, if you were actually going to put him back on the left side and put you know Trent Brown back on the right side, um, I, I, I'd, I'd fear for the quarterback's life right now. I don't think it's an option. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's an option, and I don't think it has anything to do yeah, I don't with think so Isaiah Wynn or Trent Brown. I actually think it has more to do with the domino effect on Cole Strange. Right. Because Cole Strange right now, and I'm not trying to take away anything from Cole Strange, but I, I think the the guy that deserves the, – the two guys, I should say, that deserve the credit more so are Trent Brown and Mike Onwenu because both of those guys right now are blocking one-on-one in the pass game all the time. Like, all the time. Like, Trent Brown, if you look at some of the advanced metrics, he's one-on-one on the left side more times than pretty much every other left tackle in the foot in, in the NFL. Because what's happening is is it's either sliding or David Andrews, when he opens, and David Andrews has got nobody over him, he's going left. He's going left. He's helping yeah. Cole. Yeah. So Mike Onwenu on the right side is getting single-blocked all the time. Trent Brown's getting singled, and they're giving the help to the rookie, as they probably should. So once you start flipping guys, like they need Trent at left because they trust Trent to be on an island on the left-hand side. You can't trust Isaiah Wynn to do the same thing right now. So as much as I think Isaiah Wynn's all messed up on the right side and his footwork and his technique is all thrown off. Go back to the left. Right. I just don't know if I think that what you're doing is you're really causing a much bigger problem because it's not just about Isaiah Wynn. It's the domino effect that it has on the other four guys on the line. Eldred, be safe out there. The one and only PFW alumnus, Andrew Hart, joined us here in the playbook. Andy, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Everything's good here. So uh, where have you been in this? Uh, I mean, I know where you've been, but I mean, uh, wh- where are you in the uh, the whole uh, uh, Bailey Zappi versus Mac Brown, when he should you know, give up the reins, should he keep the reins? Where are you in this entire two-week you know, theater show that we've been basically going through? 
Uh, well, first of all, I'm in the spot where I love it. I mean, this is because we're in a world where three weeks ago, even knowledgeable Patriots fans like probably didn't know who Bailey Zappi was, and if they did, he was a name on the roster. And now he's like the most popular guy in Patriot Nation. Like, I can't tell you how many, and I, I talked about this on our station with Mutt last night. Yep. Like, you know, my mother's friends, these people in like their 70s that are like, oh, I like this number four kid, this Zappy. I really like, <laughs> like he has taken over like Patriot Nation. And to me, this is what's great about sports. You don't right. see it coming. You have no idea. And you just enjoy the ride. That being said, Mac Jones is the better quarterback. Like Mac Jones is the starting quarterback. And why Bill avoided saying that, I, I'm assuming he has a reason. I'm assuming there was some sort of maybe motivational opportunity here or whatever. But I've enjoyed the Zappy era. And if it is indeed over and if Max starts Monday night, I think you'll have a better quarterback on the field. You know, here's the thing about that, though. I, I always, you know, why wouldn't Bill be more forthcoming? Well, I've got a very easy answer for that. And I think you understand this as well as anybody because you've covered him for a long time as well. But Bill just never shows his hand. He would be the, the best bridge partner I think you could probably ever have it would be somebody that you you know would hate to face if you know in a poker game because he's just got the unbelievable face that's not going to give you a bit an idea of what he's getting ready to play or what he has in his hand I mean and why should he give anybody an advantage and the answer is he shouldn't so we want him to be more forthcoming because other coaches are more forthcoming but haven't we learned after 21 years of going through this 22 years now of going through this that that's who Bill is and he will never ever give you a reason behind you know why it's always been because it's what i think is in the best interest of the football team and nothing more really than that really needs to be said because that's just what he's done but you're right about this i will give you this as well the Bailey Zapier has been fun. This has been fun. It's why we watch football. And it's, it's why, you know, it's easy to be a football fan when surprises like this happen. And then, of course, surprises like this happen. And then, of course, uh, you know, momentum gets going and emotion gets going. And then people start to talk. And then you start listening to Boston Sports Talk Radio. And, you know, it just kind of one thing begets <laughs> another, doesn't it? It does. And, and it, but, I, again, I've been surprised with how quickly – and I do think, um, and I just actually recorded a Six Rings podcast where we're just, you know, the incestuous nature of this business with Paul Perillo. And, yep, uh, yep. We were talking about, I also think as much as there is this zappy fever and people love zappy right now, I also think some of it was rooted in um, a growing uncertainty among some Patriots fans how comfortable they are with Mac Jones being the franchise quarterback mm -hmm. based off of, summer preseason and first three games i think some portion of the fan base doesn't feel as strong about mac jones as they did last november december january in the off season talking about oh he's going to work and his arm strength so so i think there was sort of a confluence of factors here where yeah we love zappy zappy's playing well oh wow he didn't lose oh now he's won a couple in his first start but also do we really think Mac is the guy. Do we really think Mac can evolve and measure up to, you know, top five, top ten quarterbacks, be a franchise guy? So I think it's both a it's a pro zappy thing, but I also think there's some some newfound trepidation in terms of the faith in Mac Jones. Yeah, I also want to speaking about trepidation is uh, ask your opinion, Andy, on on Matt Patricia and the job that he's done, not just 
with Zappy, but just in general with the offense this season, but specifically with Zappy over the last two games, I know there's that question, like, does he deserve credit for, for helping out the rookie quarterback and how they've gotten him ready and uh, schemed around him? What have your impressions been? And do you have more faith now in, in Matt Patricia than you did maybe six weeks ago? Absolutely. Um, coming off the summer, um, and you were out there every day when it, it just didn't look good. It just didn't look right. And, and there were problems and there were frustrations for – I think probably everybody involved, you know, there was reason to wonder all the sky is falling type ideas we had in the offseason when Bill, when it became obvious that Patricia and Judge were going to be key factors in, in the offensive staff, you know, oh, what's he doing? He's lost his mind, a defensive coach. And as you entered the season, I think there was reason to believe that was a possibility. I think now over the last six weeks, you've seen this offense, um, I won't say hit its stride, but show improvement. Against, yes, bad defenses and, and competition, and, and that's all part of this. But I actually think that's one of the fun and exciting things about Monday night, if Mac is indeed back out there. Even from Mac's perspective, I don't think he's just rejoining the offense he left a month ago. I think Matt Patricia has gotten better and evolved, as he should, because I think he's a smart guy. And as Bill Belichick said, he's a good coach. Good coaches are good coaches. Mm-hmm. And you give him almost two months of NFL action, and I think he's going to learn on the job and get better and pick things up and figure out. And I also think Bill warned us, you know, in late August, early September, that it takes you five, six, seven games to figure out what your team is. And I think Bill was was trying to prepare us for what he knew might be a bumpy evolution for this offense, not just because of Patricia and Judge, but because of what they wanted to do, and maybe they wanted to evolve it and push it down the field and do some of the things that, yes, led to turnovers. But um, So I think there has been a growth process for the offense. I think there's been a growth process for Matt Patricia, the play caller, and the game planner. You know, I thought it was interesting. He mentioned, you know, this is more his world, game planning, and he gets back to what he likes, game planning on a weekly basis, not mm-hmm. the fundamentals of training camp, I think is the way he phrased it. Um, and I also think we also probably need to acknowledge Bill Belichick has been a, a, a positive factor in this. He's been in the, you know, down on the knee in front of Bailey Zappi with Patricia and Judge. So um, I, I think that whole triumvirate of offensive former head coaches brain trust uh, has taken this in a more positive direction over the last six weeks. And now we'll see where it goes over the next six weeks as the challenges start to grow at some point. So what you're saying then is the coaches are actually doing what they preach. They're doing their job doing their job and getting better. You know how they just, you know, just get better. You know, the, the cliche, win the day or get, I think Zappy likes to say, get 1% better. I definitely think Matt Patricia has been incrementally better at his job and his role for this offense over the course of the season. And if that continues, that gives you hope moving forward as maybe the opposition gets better, the defenses get better, the challenges get greater, that, you know, maybe this season isn't going to end like last year. Because I think, isn't that the big picture question here? Like, yes. Are we are we going down the same road as last year where slow start, yes. soft spot of the schedule, okay, you win some games against bad teams, you prove you don't stink, but can you keep up with the good teams? Well, 
we'll see come no, late November, early December if, if it is a different story or if it's, you know, Groundhog Day and it's just 2021 all over again. Right. All right. So let's take it then from what we've seen, the evolution here with Bailey Zappi stepping in for Mac, and we'll kind of assume that Mac will be back at the, at the helm uh, on Monday. Defensively, something that um, uh, Evan and I were talking about just a short while ago is where, to me, if not for the Bailey Zappi story, this would be grabbing all of the headlines and this would be, the, I, I think, the, the major talk about the Patriots is the way the defense is evolving. And again, I know they're not beating up the world here because it's just been Cleveland, it's been Detroit, and we've seen them you know, uh, you know, know, have some success over the last couple of weeks. But it looks like roles are starting to be defined more defensively, and I think if these guys continue to do that, like the offense, that there might be a chance for some success on down the line. What are your thoughts? Uh, no question. I, and I agree 100%. If, if it weren't for Zappy Fever, the defense would be – not only the talk of the town, but also the question of the town. Is this real? Can they continue to get better? And one of the things that I find most interesting about the defense is they've done it while dealing with some pretty significant injuries all along the way, whether it's Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, um, Lawrence Guy. You lose Barmore last week and, you know, the next man up. Like, I'm intrigued by the secondary when we finally get that. So it's, you know, actually Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, and Jack Jones all to be used as the coaches want them, not with one guy filling in for another guy or, or out of need, you know, filling a role like Jack Jones has done. So, and, and to me, the story of the defense beyond Matt Judon, who we know is supposed to be your best player um, and we know is, is having a great year. To me, the story of your defense is Dietrich Wise. Like, he has been mm-hmm. phenomenal mm-hmm. this year. And I don't know if it's sustainable because he's playing – you know, 80-plus percent of the snaps. And um, Paul Paul and I have always joked, like, oh, yeah, he's going to make a year six jump and become a great player in the <laughs> middle of his career. Well, Dietrich Wise, through the first six games of this season, looks like he's taking that kind of a weird jump in the middle of his career to really take his game to the next level. And I think that duo of Judon and Wise is a big part of the reason why this defense has played so well and, and against the pass, against the run, I think that, you know, there's been times where it's almost like they're at a race for the quarterback. They're meeting at the quarterback, and I think that's a big part of this. Now, again, we'll see where it goes. You know, we can say that they shut down the number one offense uh, two weeks ago against the Lions, but I all think we don't have a lot of respect for Dan Campbell and Jared Goff and that team. Um, but if they can keep this rolling, I'm intrigued to see where it goes by the time they get around to the Bengals and the Bills and those matchups. Yeah, and we we've kind of alluded to the fact that you know they they they've gone against a couple of pretty good offensive lines at least on paper, and they've more than held their own. Not only around in, but you know the job I think being done by the tackles. You know, a guy like Godshaw doing the two gapping so the linebackers can come up and make plays, and they you know do a decent job of slowing down the run. Last week I thought was a perfect example against Cleveland that way. So I mean. These guys seem to be game planning properly. They're preparing properly for what they expect coming, and they're doing what we've always expected Patriots defense to do when they've been good. They've always been able to take away one good thing that the other team can do and make uh, and, and, and make them try to beat you another way. And it seems like they're heading in that direction. Absolutely, and that's why I, I think this has been a little bit of a uh, – I put the column up yesterday and some people mocked me like, Last couple of weeks to me feel like vintage Belichick, where he has kind of pulled everything together in some adversity. You know, rookie quarterback, defense is banged up, and and just found a way to get the job done. And 
you know, I think that's part of it, like finding different bodies. You know, Kyle Duggar, his role kind of expanding and into more of a playmaking role over the last couple of weeks. Or Jack Jones, a guy that there's certainly reason to be excited about the kind of corner he is right now and, and maybe will be. So um, I still have some questions about the linebacker position um, as maybe a, a fatal flaw or a weakness, you know, layer of this defense. But um, they're playing well. They deserve credit for playing well. And the coaches, not just Belichick, Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo, deserve credit for the way they've they've pulled this all together the last couple of weeks. Let's touch on the Bears for just a minute here, Andy. In, in all honesty, I think I know the way that you'd answer this, but in a perfect world, Justin Fields or Mac Jones? Well, I, I, I would go Mac Jones. I mean, I, it's hard for me because I don't know what Justin Fields would be in New England and, you know, if he had had a year with Josh McDaniels and molded because, you know, he obviously had a, an outgoing coaching staff a year ago. He's got an incoming coaching staff that I'm not sure I'm in line with. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not throwing the ball a ton, doesn't have great talent around him. So I, I feel bad kind of slandering Justin Fields, but um, I'm just not sure he's ever going to be. I, I think he's got great talent. He can run the ball. But I'm a big believer that consistency is the biggest key to playing quarterback in the National Football League. Like, you can't miss the 10-yard throw on third down and say, well, I'll get him later and I'll make a big play. Like, I think that's where Josh Allen took a jump a couple years ago. Not just the great, crazy plays he can make, but not missing the seven-yard throw on third down. Not missing a guy wide open in the flat to get it to second and five instead of second and ten. And I'm not sure Justin Fields is ever going to have be that consistent. But, again, I don't know that it's just on him. I think there's some other issues around him as well. Right. The Bears seem to have their own, you know, issues, which I'm sure that, you know, will probably manifest themselves somewhat on Monday night. But uh, is this the is this the shoe-in that a lot of people seem to think it should be for the Patriots? Yeah, because I just don't see the Bears scoring. Um, you know, I, maybe their defense, which is pretty good on paper, the pass defense. Their run defense is not good. Um the pass defense is pretty good on paper, and, and maybe um, they make plays. And also need to acknowledge that Mac is coming back, could be rusty, so it wouldn't stun me if, you know, there's a couple three and outs early where he's just missing some throws, which I actually don't think is great for him because it wouldn't <laughs> stun me if you heard some boo-birds in Foxborough right, if, right. if he struggles early. But zappy, um, zappy. I, I, I just don't see the Bears competing. And it's funny, we did – uh, an interview with uh, Mark Grody, who works for a, a radio station in Chicago, for our Six Rings podcast, and mm-hmm. he is—he laughed at Bill's seven-minute monologue to open the week about how you know all these things the Bears can do because he was like, "Yeah, really." Uh, other than run the ball, they actually can run the ball. Um, he was like, I, "I haven't seen any of that that Bill fluffs up out there." So even in Chicago, I think they have a pretty negative uh, view of this game. Um, on Monday night. So, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to run the ball. I think they're going to control the game. My guess is Jack Jones, one of these safeties, is going to get a, a turnover or two from field. Like, I just it, – it, to me, it's another game where the Patriots may not prove how good they are, but they prove they, they're not a lower middle-class team. They're not the Bears. They're not the Browns. They're not the Lions. And, and that's good enough for right now. That, that's what they should do is meet the challenges that are ahead of them and, and then go from there as the schedule improves down the line. And then we step into a divisional play, and you might be up against a five-win Jets team in another week. Yeah, and that, that's the funny part is, you know, this Jets team that's coming together, this Jets team that has a pretty good defense and defensive coach, like, you know, this soft spot of the schedule that everybody wrote about all offseason and, and into the early part of the year includes two Jets games, which – 
may not be quite so soft anymore. <laughs> and, and I think that'd be fun, quite honestly. You know, we know, John, like in the old <laughs> days, the border war, Jets, Patriots, like those were some fun games. They were. The Rex Ryan era. Oh, yeah. Loved it. Like, you, I miss if Rex. If you can bring that rivalry no, back, I, don't I think that's Rex. a lot of fun. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the reality right now for the Patriots is like, even though we feel momentum and they're winning games and they're back to 500, you're still a last place football team. Right. Which right. Is a weird weird reality right now looking up at the Jets and the rest of the division. I mean, we knew the Bills were going to be good. You'd be looking up at them, but to be looking up at the, the whole division after a two-game winning streak while you're a 500 team is, is a little bit interesting. But yeah, I, I hope the Jets game um, has a little buzz to it, because I, I think Jets-Patriots with buzz are, are fun games. Yeah, I agree with you. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate the Thanks, time, Andy. buddy. Any Anytime. Double- Yep, WEEI.com's Andy Hart does the Six Rings podcast on WEEI.com uh, as well. You, you you don't miss Rex? I miss Rex now. Why? Some have some bad memories for the Patriots <laughs> against Rex. I mean, let's face it. Not, <sighs> I, I, <laughs> I miss him talking uh, about his 2010, right? <laughs> 2010, they beat him 49-3 to yeah, three yeah. on Sunday Night Football or yeah. whatever it was, and they right. lose to him in the playoffs. Like That wasn't fun. Right. But I do agree that in general uh, – that game, I said it earlier, a real NFL football game in the Meadowlands next week with the Jets, not to look ahead of the Bears. You know, we don't we don't look ahead here, John. Right? It's one one no. game at a time. Yeah. But the Jets is a real football game, and I think, like Andy said, oh, like that's fun, right? Like you want division games to be important. You want division games to matter. You want division games to be competitive, and I, I think that they're they're back in the spot. We'll see what they look like against Denver this week. Like, they should beat Denver, the Jets. Even though they're on the road in, in mile high, they should beat Denver the way the Broncos are playing. So if they don't beat Denver, then I don't think that game has quite as much steam as it does if the Jets and the Patriots both win this week. But, yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see that game and how that game plays out. I, I, I still give the Patriots a pretty good edge just because – I think Bill Belichick against Zach Wilson is still a, a, a one-sided mismatch at this stage, but that Jets defense is for real. Uh, Sauce Gardner is for real. Uh, Quinnen Williams is for real. You know, they they have some good players on that defensive side of the ball. Well, we'll jump more into that, I guess, this time next week, won't we? We will, yes. Yeah. Thanks, exciting. No problem, thanks. Always appreciate you. You got it. All right, Russell Baxter coming up right here in the playbook. Get in on the action with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the New England Patriots. New customers can download the DraftKings app now and play free for millions in prizes using code PATS. That's code PATS, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Patriot Place is the region's number one shopping, dining, and entertainment destination. Shop your favorites, including Vineyard Vines, Express, Olympia Sports, Petco, and more. Enjoy dining at one of our 19 restaurants, including Six String Grillin' Stage, Scorpion Bar, and Bar Louie. And don't forget about the entertainment. Explore your inner artist at Muse Paint Bar, watch a movie at Showcase Cinema Deluxe, or grab a controller and start gaming at Helix Esports. For a complete directory listing, please visit patriot-place.com. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Russell Baxter, pro football guru himself. Find him on Fan Sided. You find him, uh, well, just about anywhere you can find the internet uh, covering the National Football League. But Russell uh, joins us as he always does on Thursdays here in the playbook. Russell, how goes the battle today? And uh, is your case of zappy fever subsiding any? 
He's not there. Okay. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> no, nothing like a good cold beep, 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 beep right in your, in, in your ears to go along with that one. Wow. I didn't realize I shocked him that much with that particular one. All right. So we'll get Russell back here in just a second. Um, so I, I guess... You know, when you look at how the Patriots, um, I'm listening. I'm listening to all this stuff about, oh, well, you know, the Patriots should win this game. Oh, well, the Bears aren't any good. Oh, well, the Bears can't score. And and I'm thinking, you know, and wow, this is just heaping more pressure on Mac. And if it's heaping more pressure on Mac, what happens if happens? You know what Andy just said. Like for instance, you know, the Patriots go three and out in the first couple of series. You know, and maybe the Bears, you know. Have one good series, run the ball a little bit, take a three nothing lead, or I mean, just you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All right, Russell, you with us? We're trying again. One more time. You I'm did? here, sir. Oh, there you are. Yay! Okay, we got you. We got you. So I was just, I was just asking, uh, has your case of Bailey Zappy fever subsided any? Well, my case of Bailey's hasn't subsided. <laughs> well, then you're clearly not doing what you need to be doing then, right? <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Of course, there's always Kahlua just in case. I know. There's well, there's priorities in life. We understand all of that. What's, well, what's listen, your, been, yeah, what, what's your take on this whole phenomenon you know, of uh, a rookie fourth-rounder that nobody knew anything about coming in and kind of taking over by storm here? Well, I think. Uh, what we've seen to the Patriots the last two weeks is, is team football. Yeah. Um, and it, it, let's keep in mind here that they shut out the highest scoring team in the league, which wasn't Bailey Zappi. Um, and they've given up one touchdown in the past two games and scored six outscored the opposition 67 to 15. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that last week was Bailey Zappi um, as he got more and more comfortable and so on. Um, and, a, and a, Pretty bad Cleveland defense has been one of the real disappointments uh, in the league. But to counteract what you just said about the Bears, um, this league, anything can happen. And I know that's so cliche. It was so cliche in Atlanta last week when they pummeled the 49ers, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was so cliche in Pittsburgh last week when a team came up a 35-point loss and beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, wasn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we learned anything about this league, is that we don't know anything about this league. <laughs> well, but that's the beauty of this league. We've yeah. talked – how many times, millions of times does it seem like we've talked about this? That's why we have fun with it, because the unexpected always – happens in other words the unexpected should be expected every year we just don't know which direction or which team it's coming from but the patriots have just given us a huge dose of that with zappy fever over the last two to three weeks well there, there's no question about it and i think um uh they've settled in and you know if you really think about it john why is this year not the same as other years when the patriots get off to a slow start even when tom brady was there mm-hmm you know, um, you know, two and two it was a, almost a typical Patriot start for the team, and then they kind of sorted things out. Now, of course, they're you know they're they're unbeaten in 2007. They've had other good starts as well. Don't get me wrong, but last year it took them six games to figure it out, um, and maybe they figured it out again. But I think the whole league's still trying to figure it out. Those offensive numbers you and I have talked about aren't getting any better. Um, 
I want to say 28 teams played last week and three scored 30 points. Three. And I'm not oh. saying you got to score 30 points every week. Uh, but those turnovers that we talked about and so on, not seeing a lot of crisp offensive football with the, with the rare exceptions, the Buffalo Bills, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, the very balanced Philadelphia Eagles, um, the Minnesota to a degree as well. So the whole league seems to be struggling trying to figure out 2022. Why do you think that is, Russell? Have you been able to put your finger on any one or two things here? Well, I, I think uh, the lack of preseason action has had something to do with it. Because I think if one year it works okay, but rosters change so much, John, from one year to another. Even the good team, the rosters change. And we've seen less and less action in the preseason, um, you know, even by the regulars now. Uh, you know, so I wish I could give you better explanation than that. But I just know that six weeks into the season, 10 teams have winning records right. out of 32 teams. Okay, there are three divisions that don't have a team with a winning record. That's crazy. The AFC North, the NFC South, and the NFC West. Um, and my favorite number of all is there are only four teams in the NFC that are above 500, and three of them are in the NFC East. Right, I was going to say, four teams that have winning records in the NFC, one of, and the, certainly the Bears are not one of them, and three of them are in the same division, which is just crazy. That's That's... That, that I mean, because the NFC East, you know, over the last few years has been the NFC least for a lot of people, and not that way this year, apparently. No, I mean, hey, go back to John. Go back two years ago when the Red, uh, let's see, was whether the, the football team, yeah, right, won the division at seven and nine, right, right, and Dallas and Phil, I'm sorry, Dallas and the Giants were six and ten, mm-hmm. and Philadelphia was four eleven and one. Mm-hmm. And now fast forward where that division is a combined seventeen and seven That's crazy. after six weeks. So and, and what do we and, and what do we allow that to? Is it just cyclical? Well, I think to the point uh, a point it is. Um, you know, since that time, obviously there's been coaching changes. Um, you know, Philadelphia is on Nick Sirianni. Uh, you know, made the playoffs last year after a slow start and yep. undefeated this year. Yep. Uh, the Giants have a new coach. Um, in 2000, I believe, uh, well, Ron Rivera had got there. Washington's still there and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the year Dak Prescott got her. It was Mike McCarthy's first year there. So, But it, Philadelphia and the Giants have undergone coaching changes. Uh, Philadelphia has obviously gone, undergone a quarterback change since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington's gone through several quarterback changes, and they're going to have another quarterback uh, start this week. Of course, they're the they're the the lone team at under five hundred at two and four. Right. Yet they come off a win and so on. So uh, it is cyclical. We saw last year, John, three teams that finished last place in the league uh, make the playoffs: Philadelphia, Cincinnati, and San Francisco. Could we be? I mean, the Giants were a last place team last year. Yeah. The Jets were a last place team last year. Um, you know, could we could we see a couple more? Where that happened, I'm not, you know, Baltimore was the last place team last year. And obviously they're right in the thick of it. But boy, that, you want to talk about erratic. Um, you know, they let one get away with them at the Meadowlands last week with the Giants. Right. So it, it's it's hard to put your finger on it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's 
two or three week trends, John, and now there's a six week trend where it just seems like, I mean, that we saw, it was funny, bookend last week, bookend the Thursday night 12-7 game with the 1916 overtime game. Yep. How many touchdowns did we see? And and and, <laughs> and the Chargers wound up winning because Denver must have won in overtime. Right. Not enough, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, just, I, I can't put my, it, it, you know, what's really weird is it kind of reminds me of the 1993 season in which we had the double buys. And football teams seemed like they were out of sync until everybody kind of got through both their buys. That's not the case this year. Yep. Okay, the buys have just started. Maybe the football gets better in November. But it has, for the most part, it hasn't been very good. Although, you know, Buffalo and Kansas City gave us a treat again last week. Yeah, they did. They sure did. Not surprising the way it turned out, but you know, uh, again, I think that's what that's the level that everybody needs to aspire to right now in both of those teams. So, I mean, I, I watched I watched Philadelphia play Dallas, and and you know, this past week, and you know, I know Dallas still has Cooper Rush your quarterback. I'm not entirely convinced that they'll be that much better with Dak Prescott back, but be that as it may, I was impressed with Philadelphia's ability to run the ball, uh, mm-hmm. to play smart. Uh, to control the tempo, control the line of scrimmage. I mean, I don't know if they're worthy of "quote unquote" being an undefeated team, even though that's what they are. But they're certainly carrying themselves pretty well. Well, John, they've turned over a ball twice all year. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're not beating yourself. Okay. Um, and guess what? And guess what team leads the league in takeaways this year? Leads the Philadelphia. league. I was about to say that it has to be Philly, right? Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's it's one of the areas where they're better as a football team. Last year they played 17 games and uh, took away the ball 16 times. They have 14 takeaways in six games this year. Wow! Um, they went out and addressed their lines, and, and their lines were already pretty good. Okay, but getting Jordan Davis on the defensive front has certainly helped. Um, and they went out and got a pass rusher, Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick. Mm-hmm. Who you know? Who spent like basically three years in Arizona as an inside linebacker, had a breakout year um, as a pass rusher. Went to Carolina, had another breakout year, um, and has made a bit. Philadelphia last year, for as high as their defense was ranked, as far as yards allowed, John did not generate a lot of sacks, twenty nine, and did not get a lot of takeaways. Mm-hmm. And they've changed that in the matter of six weeks. And when you can control the ball with their offensive line and you go in there and make mistakes against them, which Dallas wound up doing with the rush three interceptions and right, so on, right? Um, they, they capitalize. Uh, they're, they're really good in the trenches. And uh, I always like teams, even though I didn't pick them for the Super Bowl, um, I always like teams that don't make a lot of moves in the offseason. Philly made two smart moves in the draft, traded for A.J. Brown and got Hassan Reddick. The classic dot the I's and cross the T's of an up-and-coming team. Right. Well, the Eagles are one of four teams that uh, lead us off with the bye weeks this week. Eagles are off. uh, Bills are off. Rams are off. Vikings are off this week. So amongst those that are playing, uh, I am intrigued, first and foremost, by the Sunday night game because the Dolphins are at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers stunned everybody, I think, maybe by winning last week. The Dolphins have struggled losing three in a row, but they may be getting Tua back this weekend. So I'm curious as to how you might see this one unfold a little bit. Well, I'll be interested to see by the fourth quarter who's playing quarterback, actually for both teams. Right. 
Um, the Dolphins have started three different quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the last three games. Um, and, uh, you know, two obviously got hurt and Bridgewater came in uh, against Cincinnati. Um, you know, Bridgewater has, you know, had some trouble with interceptions. Um, he got dinged um, in the, when, they played, uh, uh, when they played the Jets. And Thompson came in, and then Thompson started last week. Then, uh, you know, he hurt his uh, thumb or finger. Um, and then Bridgewater came back in. So a lot of inconsistency that way. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh started Kenny Pickett last week, his second straight start. He got put into concussion protocol. Uh, in comes Mitch Trubisky, kind of closed out the deal and so on. Uh, big touchdown drives and key passes late in the game. So, uh, you know, between these two clubs in recent weeks, we've seen five different quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, <laughs> it'll depend, I think, on the defense. It'll depend on the team. Uh, that runs the ball. Um, and it also could depend very much on special teams. You know, one of the key plays of Pittsburgh last week, even though they got a, a, a field goal out of it, uh, was a guy they picked up from Washington who uh, they kind of lose, uh, I think, last year, Stephen Sims. And mm-hmm. this could be a game that's decided, but maybe one big special teams play. Could it be a um, you know blocked field goal? Could it be a blocked punt? Um, I will say this. I'm sure all eyes are going to be on two people in this game for the Steelers. And I'm not talking about the quarterback. Minka Fitzpatrick, mm. who the Steelers got from the Dolphins a couple of years ago on a trade, and it's been sensational for them. Yep. And I get the feeling NBC might have a few camera shots of Brian Flores. Probably. One or two. Yeah. Since he's the over. Yeah, at least on that one. Uh, yeah. n- next week's opponent for the Patriots are the uh, somewhat surprising New York Jets at 4-2, and two, and they got to go on the road this week. But they're playing a, a Denver team that uh, I-, I think has surprised everybody in terms of their underachieving and maybe putting them up there with the, you know in the disappointing category along with a team like Pittsburgh. And it's quite possible the Patriots could be playing a five-win team next week. Yeah, it, it, it's very possible. The Jets are playing with an enormous amount of confidence. I think that's the thing um, that stands out to me. You know, the comeback win at Pittsburgh when they were down by double digits, um, you know, kind of back and forth with the Dolphins, and then uh, great second half. Uh, and then last week, um, it, was, it was like deja vu last week if you're the Packers. Uh, when we saw them in the playoffs against San Francisco, Mason Crosby had a field goal block. I think on the final play of the first half and the only touchdown that the Packers gave up in that game was a block punt return late in the fourth quarter. Mm. So what did the Jets do last week? They blocked a Mason Crosby field goal and they returned a punt for a t- block punt for a touchdown. Right. Um, safe to say it be it Aaron Rodgers or Joe Barry or whoever the problem is special teams haven't done the Packers any good, but credit the Jets who just looked like, a, again, a more most confident team. But here's my – I think this is my favorite number of the week, John. Okay. The Denver Broncos are dead last in the league in scoring. They scored 91 points in six games. Crazy. Okay. The Jets, in their last game, three games, all which they won, have scored exactly 91, 91 right? points. Yep. Yeah. Right. 
Certainly seem the momentum certainly seems to be on their side for this one. Interesting. Um, and then um, the, the other one I guess I'm kind of looking at here is the team that they share a stadium with. The Giants at 5-1. and one. They're going on the road themselves. They're playing Jacksonville. The Giants could easily be 6-1 and one if they don't stumble. And, you know, there's so much, Russell, that's been said, you know, over time, I think, about the quote-unquote Bill Belichick coaching tree maybe not being as strong or as branchy as some others. But last I checked, Brian Dayball is a part of that tree, and he's had some real success with the Giants. Well, they, listen, what Joe Sheen and uh, Brian Dable have done in there is kind of fix the issues that that team has had for the past five seasons. Um, shaky defensive line play, and shaky would be a kind word to describe their offensive line play. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when they had two first-round draft picks in April, they went out and got some front seven help with Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, and they went out and they got Evan Neal to tackle from Alabama. Um, and we are seeing a comeback player of the year type performance so far from Saquon Barkley, Mm -hmm. who I believe has already run for more yards in six games this year than he did for 13 last year. (laughs) So uh, he's the catalyst. He looks like Saquon Barkley again. Got to stay healthy, Um, though. That's the biggest issue with him. Well, that's been the the issue with him since he was rookie of the year. You know, he has had some major injuries, and that hasn't helped the team any at all. Um, But it's a team that is playing hustling football. Um, And it was funny, last week, uh, uh, for a team that has surprised a lot of people, their only loss was to Dallas, and they played Dallas tough uh, on a Monday night. It took them six games to record an interception. But what a timely one last week by Julian Love in the fourth quarter. Lamar Jackson made a, a... an egregious decision, I would say, to be kind. Uh, after a mishandled snap and he rolled around, he just basically threw the ball in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I look at what the Giants have done, and there, there's a lot. I know there's not a lot uh, to be said for schedules um, and previous opponents, but it is interesting to note that last year, the top two seeds in the AFC and the NFC were the Titans and the Packers, respectively. And they went into Tennessee and, and came back from 13 up and down and beat the Titans. They beat the Packers in London. They were way down, I think, by 14 in that game. They trailed against Baltimore. You know, for a team that hasn't won a lot the past five years, they're showing an awful lot of grit. And um, it's going to be interesting down the stretch when them and Philadelphia finally meet. One more with a little bit of intrigue before we get to the Pats and the Bears. Kansas City at San Francisco, another super rematch from a, a, a few years ago. And I know that Kansas City's had some pretty good success in recent years with teams out of the NFC overall. Yeah, if you include the Super Bowl split, 15-2. and two Wow. In their last 17 games versus the NFC. Yep. One of those losses was a home loss to the Packers, which I believe Mahomes didn't play. And then, of course, you know, they got rolled by the Buccaneers in Super Bowl uh, 55. But mm. yeah, Andy Reid. Well, you think Andy Reid knows something about the NFC after he spent, you know, most of his career. You would think there. that he would know a little something. Yes. Yeah. But, but when I see numbers like that, it reminds me of the Patriots. And, you know, for about 20 years, their record in interconference games was off the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is when you don't play an opponent uh, basically every four years, with the exception of, of the Super Bowls and, of course, the 
the Patriots didn't have to wait four years to play a lot of teams in the Super in the NFC because mm-hmm. they were always in the Super Bowl. Right. Um, I, I, I give a lot of credit to Andy Reid and and what they've done. And, and and so far this year, you know they've they've played uh, Arizona and Tampa Bay, two NFC playoff teams from a year ago, hung forty four on the Cardinals and forty one on the Buccaneers. Wow. Yeah. So they can score when they need to. Yes. Their defense, though, still leaves a lot of to be desired. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might some, be surprised some people to know that the Chiefs have given up the most touchdown passes in the league so far, 15 in 16 right. games. Right. I'm sorry, 15 in six games. Wow. All right. Well, speaking of offense, the Bears certainly have struggled to find some offense. Um, I mean, they like, lost to Washington last week, and I think that's why a lot of people are kind of like, no shot. Yeah. They got no shot against the Patriots on Monday night. And, and yet, I just I hate to say, even in this day and age of parity and teams rising from the bottom up to the top and things like, it seems like anybody can win, I hate to say anybody is a shoe-in. But the Bears have, have definitely struggled, and the Patriots' defense is playing as good as maybe we've seen it in a couple of years because they've only allowed one touchdown on the last two games. Right. Well, the Bears are able to run the football, okay? Justin, um, Justin Herbert has something to do with that. Fields has something uh, to do with that. Um, probably Herbert more than anything else. I mean, he's had a pretty good year so far. But they're also dead last in the league in passing. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you can't run on New England, I'm not sure what the Bears are going to do. The Bears got some opportunities last week. They got down with a chance to <clears throat> maybe steal that game from Washington last week, most of it on a big run um, by Fields. Um, but when they got back down into the red zone, they couldn't convert. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the problem. And, um, you know, it, it's the Chicago team that I believe they're right behind the Broncos in terms of points scored. Okay? They're averaging 15.5 points per game. Um, and their defense has been – They've had their share of moments, but it's not like it's a team that is stifling on defense. In fact, might surprise some people to know that only three teams in the league have given more, up more yards on the ground than the Bears. Wow. So, I mean, the Bears have had their own problems starting stopping the run. It, it, the Packers did a number on them on that Sunday night game. So I think New England sticks with its game plan. Um, I'm not saying they're going to pitch a shutout or anything like that. Those are still very, very hard to come by. We've only had two all year in the league, but the Patriots do have one of them. This could be another. But this could be another fast game Monday to, night. Yeah, the Bears have to find some kind of balance and be patient against this, this Patriot team, or the Patriots. Could, you know, it could be one of those games where they hang on to the football for about 35 minutes. Yep. And it, you know, I, I don't anticipate this being very pretty because. The Bears play hard. I think Matt Eberfluss has done a pretty good job uh, with them. You can tell that they're a team that, you know, just kind of hangs around. It's not that they're bad, but they're not. It's not that they're good. You know, they're kind of epit- epitomizes what we're seeing in the in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've let some games get away from them. Uh, they also, you know, they came you know, they beat Houston with a big play from Rokon Smith. Um, but you know, this to me could be like a twenty to nine or twenty to six type of game. Twenty to six, yeah. I think I said twenty. What did I say? I said twenty three. No, I said twenty six sixteen. 
and I and and they and, and I had all of the 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 Patriots unfiltered guys in here before me, and especially uh, uh, Evan Lazar, who looked at me like, "You think the Bears are going to score sixteen points?" <laughs> Like, well, okay. Or 26-13. I, I actually was given him credit for a touchdown and two field goals. I don't know. I may be generous. Well, and I'll have to remind you that, you know, you don't need your offense to score 16 points. Well, that was my point exactly because it, all you need is one mistake early that the team, that the opposing team can turn into easy points, and I don't care how bad you are, you got a ball game, and it's going to stay a ball game for probably, you know, the rest of the clock. So that's the one thing that I expect that if the Patriots are really going to, you know, take a step forward and, and and try dominating someone here, then they have to avoid early mistakes. And I, I look at the offensive line, you know, where they've had some, you know, penalty killers, you know, and Isaiah Wynn has struggled and, you know, and, you know, when they've made mistakes, you know, they've generally happened early. So get through the first quarter somewhat unscathed either – even Steven, or better yet, with a slight lead, and then I think the Patriots probably end up coasting. But if, if the Bears are around at halftime, the Bears will—I think—they'll tend to make it a game. I, I and I definitely agree with you. And I could see you know Mac if it is Mac Jones this week, and I don't know if any definitive decision uh, has been made. But it hasn't. A but we're expecting yeah, the, we're expecting the same thing. Right. Well, if he's a little rusty and he sails the ball over. Hunter Henry's head, and Roquan picks it and takes it to the house, and all of a sudden it's 7 nothing Chicago. Yeah, exactly. That'll get somebody's attention, yep. and then you're halfway to your 13 points. Yeah, there you go. Russell, thank you, my man. Always good to be with you. No problem, sir. Good, good to talk to you. And uh, um, what, what's the, what, By the way, what's the over-under on fridge video oh, Monday night? Oh, God. You know, you're right. What's the over-under? Uh, I'll put the over-under at uh, two. See, I think I think a highlight they should run, I know you'll remember this game, was three years after the Super Bowl. Didn't the Bears come up to New England and Doug Flutie roll them like 38-7? to Yeah, I remember that. Sure. Yeah. I remember that game. I remember yeah. standing on the sideline for that game, yeah. Well, you listen, the game was so lopsided, didn't you get in? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. No, no. I value my life and my health. Thank you. <laughs> Russell. Well, by yeah. the way, since we're yeah. talking highlights, yeah. the other highlight we might see Monday night, and I have no call on this, there might be a Tom Brady juking Brian Erlacher highlight. Ooh. That's another really good one in the history of these two teams. You're absolutely right. Tom Brady's best juke move maybe ever. There you go. He's one he can play for his grandkids, which would probably only be, you know, six months from now, right? If I was there, I'd I'd be making suggestions. I'll just leave it at that. Sounds like like a plan to me. All right, buddy. Thank you. Talk to you next week. You got it, John. Russell S. Baxter, the one and only Bax football guru. Uh, let's wrap up here with uh, William in Philadelphia. Hey, William, thanks for hanging on, bud. Hey, what's going on? How you feel? I'm good. How do you feel? <laughs> I'm okay. I can't complain. Just at work, just listening to Mr. Rook and Evan. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you taking the time. What's on your mind? Okay. Uh, a lot, basically, but I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, how, how do I go with this one? All right, so... Uh, like I told, I think like I told Patriots and stuff. I'm rolling with Mac Jones, like all the way. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about me jumping on who's you know 
I guess, team or bandwagon or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just rolling with Matt. Mm-hmm. It started with him, and it's just need to be that way. Simple mm-hmm. as that. So, um, I, my prediction for the Bears game and Patriots game is going to be, I, I have two predictions, either 45-3 or 52 to zip. Woo! Period. Whoa, whoa, get a grip, my man. <laughs> hey, if we did to the Detroit Lions, I mean, shoot, I mean, it's the big, good Lord. I mean, you don't think the Bears are at least a little better than the Lions? Okay. All right. Well, you know what? If it turns out to be that way, you get the full credit for it next week, brother. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can, I can take that. I can definitely take that. So, um, uh, the reason I, I just hope, you know, you know, I guess for the past three years, since 2000, what, 19 till now, and it's, we always beat up these mediocre teams in basically. But then when we start playing teams that, that have, like, mobile quarterbacks, um, what I say, um, Okay, yeah, that that yeah, that, yeah, that's been that's been an issue. You're you're right about that. Mobile quarterbacks have given the Patriots uh, some issues because they have a hard time, I think, deciding largely. All right, do we shadow this guy? Uh, you know, what do we do? How do we play him? And the idea behind it is, is that you want to make the guy play to his non-strength. To me, Justin Fields is going to beat you. Justin Fields can beat you if you allow him to use his legs to beat you. So here's a guy that once again you're going to have to be contained. You know, in the uh, in the pa- in the uh, in the uh, rushing lanes, you-, you can't let him get outside the pocket. You want to make Fields beat you with his arm. And if you're throwing multiple yeah. looks in the secondary, then I-, I think this is where the Patriots definitely have an advantage. But if you allow Fields to get out of the pocket and pick up gains and you know turn third and longs into first downs and keep the defense on the field. The defense has got to get off the field because if Fields beats you with his legs, then that's where you're going to allow the team to stay in the game. So to me, Correct. that's that's the quick the quickest answer right there is you, you got to make Fields beat you with his arm here, not his legs. And I think that's what you have to do with just about any mobile quarterback. I, I totally agree. Um, just two things and, and then I'm out to it. Um, so the, as far as I'm saying, that's beating up on New Yorker teams and whatnot. But why do we all, when we get ready to play, like the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City, you know, or the Ravens, it's just, it's it's like I'm just gonna call it the way it is because evidently Patriots don't feel that. I don't know, I don't know if evidence agrees with me on this, but the reason I think Bill handicaps the roster. Period. You know, I mean, we need talent so we can so you can battle against those harder teams. You know, that have like well, like these stud wide receivers. These uh, mobile quarterbacks, uh, uh, a hell of a defense. I mean, so why can't we have the same thing? You know. Well, I think they can. I think ideally they'd love to have that. But I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that you know you want wins. You don't really care how they get there, right? Correct. As long as we, as long as we, you know, as long as we get wins. I mean, I don't care. But I'm just. And then this team this year, look, I mean, on the team. Well, I understand, but I mean, this year, I think really anybody would be interested in for this team this year is to take a step forward from a year ago. We talked about that at the very beginning of the year. We talked about that in the offseason. That, you know, okay. team, won, team won 10 games last year. They made the playoffs. They got killed in the playoffs, but they made the playoffs. So now, if you right. you know, if you want this team to really take a step forward, you want them to get back to the postseason and you want them to win a playoff game. That would be a step forward. And then I think next year would be the year that you could actually expect them to get back to more of what everybody's been used to over the last 20-plus years. It's going to take some work. 
This is just how the sport works, you know, in the modern 21st century. It takes you a few years to get back. And I'm hoping the Patriots, you know, like all fans, you know, can get to that point. My guess is that, you know, they're going to do the best that they can before Bill Belichick decides to hang it up. I, I, I agree. And last but not least, and that's it, and I'm out your way, uh, I heard what Eldridge said. He said he's the originator of, uh, I don't know, as far as one and wide receivers and whatnot. My little pushback to him is this. That's fine and dandy, but I've been wanting to receive, I want us to have dynamic receivers since what Randy Moss left us because we mm-hmm. never replaced it. Like, never. I don't care about as far as we got Brandon Cook, but yeah. we never replaced that, Mr. Rook. Yeah. Never. I, I, I okay. tend but to agree. I tend to agree with you on that one. I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I know why they got rid of Randy. Uh, you know, God, it's been forever, 15 years ago or whatever it yeah. was now. But, yeah. I mean, at the same time, they, they that position of receiver has always been just one of those things where the Patriots seem to have had a brain cramp uh, over the years, you know, when it comes to, you know, evaluating. And you get a guy like Moss, and then he causes a little internal trouble, and you give up on it, and you don't do anything really to try to replace him. Okay. Yes, indeed. That's true. So it's been a okay, while. You're right. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, take care. Uh, you and Evan be safe. And um, I'm always listening to your podcast every time you want. Thank you, William. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, quick fantasy league update, right? Because we didn't get to this last week. Last week, the commish was actually on the top of the standings. But the commish uh, slipped. The commission's in fourth place now. So the leader of the Patriots Playbook Fantasy League, the Iowa Cornstalkers, in first place through six weeks. Nip Tuck is in second. Belichick's Video Store. I love these names. You guys did a good job with the names. Belichick's Video Store is in third. The commission, which is uh, Matt the Marine, he's in fourth. Team Panda, Team Tiggy, Rookstradamus is in seventh. Uh, Greek Pats Nation in 8th, Belichick Mate in ninth, Makatak 10th, ZBMOL 11th, Todd's Taxidermist Todd. No wonder you got off the phone early in the opening hour of the program today because that's an embarrassment that you're in 12th space. Okay? Wow. He got blasted last week by Nip Tuck Rule. 122 to 102. Blasted. Blasted. Wow. Iowa Cornstalkers took care of you last week, too. 94 to 85. Some terrible scores. Wow. God, you didn't score and much. If we played Todd, we both would have lost. Holy smokes. Team Tiggy had 172 last week and beat ZBMOL 172 to 79. What the hell? Good Lord. Works. Oh, my God. Uh, big matchup to look for this week, I think. Um, looks to me. Team Panda and Team Tiggy got five versus six. Kamish has got to go against Todd, so maybe that's an easy dub right there. Maybe you get back on the winning track there. Feels Matt. like a trap game. Yeah, I know, I know. And the first place Iowa Cornstalkers, they've got Team 10, which is the Mac Attack this week. So just a little bit of a, of a fantasy league update for you in our Playbook Fantasy League. And those of you who are playing, well, do better. <laughs> Except for the Cornstalkers. Isn't that Nancy in Iowa? That's who that is, right? Okay. Good job out of you, Nancy. Kick those guys' asses. That's all I know. Uh, thanks to uh, Russell Baxter, as always, Andy Hart for joining us, Evan Lazar for joining us, um, Patriots and the Bears Monday Night Football, 8.15, of course, is the kickoff on television. We'll be back same Pat's time, same Pat's channel next Thursday. It's J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets week. Oh, man, I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for the Jets this week. I know you don't want them to win because, you know, hey, you know, it's divisional and everything, but I kind of want them to win. I kind of do. 
I want to see the juice back in this rivalry. I think we're going to take a step toward that next week. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.